good Monday, beautiful people. I'm Babs Ross-Ivy. If it's around nine o'clock, you got me. Love Babs, love talk. I'm delighted this morning. I got um, I got Zibby Owens coming on at uh, 9.15. And uh, you talk about somebody who is a powerhouse. People have been whispering to me all weekend about her coming on the show. <laughs> so I'm delighted to talk to her because, I'm, you know, I, 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 you know, I talk to a lot of people all the time, but this one, when I posted that she was coming up, people have just been messaging me and whispering to me about her and, oh my gosh, and how did I get her? And so, I mean, I got to thank um, Big Voice Communications for that, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. So I'm going to talk to her. I, I enjoyed my, my, uh, my conversation with uh, Daryl Roth the other day, another powerhouse. And then, uh, and I get to talk to, uh, I get to talk to uh, Camila uh, Forbes in the next couple of days. So um, that'll round out this conversation that had happened at the Schwartzman Center around women producers. Um, And so uh, it is amazing to sort of see, to get this kind of talent um, in one place at the same time with all these busy schedules. So so I'm delighted to talk to uh, all of them. And, uh, And I must say, uh, each of them just 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 before they even came or coming on the show or came on the show um, has been so impactful to me. So I'm I'm in a sweet spot. I feel it. So anyway, I had a good weekend. It was a good weekend. I ran up to Providence, Rhode Island for the Planned Parenthood annual meeting, which was really good. And, you know, I love doing that work. It's a it is a high powered board. It It is got a lot of moving parts, uh, but I I like being in the mix. So. So uh, Bill uh, drove us up. He's a, for my, uh, a fellow board member. We serve on two boards together, as a matter of fact, Planned Parenthood of Southern New England and Long Wharf Theater. So I hadn't really spent any real time with him. So driving up was amazing because, you know, he was just kicking it like old friends. And we got to do this on a regular because he was fun to talk to. And we've got, a, we've got a lot of similarities. So I'm looking forward to our next meetup. So that was... Uh, Friday into Saturday. And then I came home Saturday. I was so tired. I didn't go anywhere. I was like, I'm home. Got up Sunday, hung out with my Guilford family, uh, ran over to um, James Foreman's house that did the letter writing campaign to encourage people to vote in the runoff in Georgia. So I did a stack of letters, uh, which was my privilege and honor to do. And then I ran over, finished my night off at the Jamaican-American uh, Connection, their Friendsgiving um, um, event, which they do every year. Um, and they do it over at the lab at Concord. Um, so, so it was good. I mean, you know, lots of food, lots of drink, lots of fun, lots of Jamaican people. <laughs> so I, I had a time, I had a time. And then I came on home and, and, you know, pretty much lights out. So I did watch Dr. Shivago on Saturday. I hadn't seen Dr. Shivago in... I, it has to have been like 30 years or some whole thing, but I watched it through and through. It was on Connecticut public television. And uh, uh, I'm, I, I would not tell people not to watch it. I'm just, you just have to be into that kind of stuff. Uh, and it was, it was, uh, it was interesting. You know, you know, it's a love, some kind of love story in the backdrop of the Russian revolution. Uh, I don't know what kind of love story this was, but <laughs> it's not a love story by today's standards. <laughs> but uh but uh such that it is i watched 
so yeah and and then um you know and then yesterday i got on home after the jamaican american thing so it was great so i mean i you know it was a week it was a it was a weekend i'm probably forgetting something too like i'm probably probably forgetting something but no matter uh i enjoyed the weekend it was a lot it was a it was a whole lot it was a whole lot um uh, across two states <laughs> It was a lot across two states, which is fine, which is fine. So, um, so this is the week of thanks and giving, and uh, everybody's getting ready um, to. Uh, I'm gonna make a few stops on Thursday to see people. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, I'm very excited about that. Uh, so I love the holidays. I love the holidays are getting ready. So I haven't started playing Christmas music yet. I have watched one Christmas Hallmark movie, um, but I haven't amped it up yet. So I, I tend to like to get past Thanksgiving and then and then the spirit is on me. But I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it, boys and girls. I'm ready for it. And uh, and this weekend coming up, I'm going to buckle down with my studies because I got a lot to do. I've got a lot to catch up on and get familiar with. So... And uh, and I've not been keeping to my own schedule, <laughs> but that's all going to change. I'm going to get into it. I got to get into it. So so while we wait for um, Zippy Owens to come on, um, uh, I can't I can't wait. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Uh, uh, Zippy Owens, she's an SES, uh, a memorist, award winning podcaster, a book publisher and entrepreneur, CL. And she founded Zibby Media, uh, a privately held media company in 2018. And the company has since grown to include the publishing house Zibby Books, uh, the magazine Zibby Mag, and the podcast network Zibby Audio, which produces her award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Owen's uh, daily podcast has become an essential destination for writers. She has interviewed more than 1,200 authors on the show. And it recently surpassed 9 million downloads. I mean, she is really doing the damn thing. Her advocacy on behalf of writers and their work has earned her the moniker New York's most powerful book influencer uh, by the New York Magazine. Uh, she is a regular contributor to ABC's uh, Good Morning America, which is where I saw her um, talking about her book uh, or her podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read and other broadcast outlets where she shares her mission-driven enthusiasm for books. She's the author of the memoir Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, uh, the children's book Princess Charming, and the editor of two uh, anthologies on motherhood. Uh, she's a graduate of Yale University and Harvard Business School. She lives in New York with her husband and four kids. So we have that in common. We have four kids. <laughs> I think she's considerably younger than I. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to her. So we'll see how it all goes. Uh, we'll see how it all goes. And, uh, I think Friday I had the, I had the Luke, the Luke Brazi interview, um, the restaurant, um, which I thought <clears throat> I'm looking forward to, I'm going to go have dinner. So, and I want to catch up with him. So I gotta go go see him before he forgets about who I am. <laughs> so that was with um, uh, Chef Vincent Chirico. Uh, so I'm gonna go and talk to him about his new Mediterranean 
uh, contemporary restaurant. Go eat there. I already talked to him on Friday, but I'm gonna go eat there. So, so yeah. So that's how this whole weekend started uh, with with the conversation with him, which was really nice. So, um, so I'm waiting for the lovely and talented Miss Zibby Owens to come on at uh, nine fifteen, and uh, at least I hope it's nine fifteen. <laughs> I done mixed up people so bad these last couple of weeks. I can't tell you. Uh, I can't. I can't begin to tell you uh, how uh, how crazy it has been. But we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> so uh, yes, I believe. Let me let me uh, let me just make sure. Like I have a zippy head. But uh, anyway, it's cold. Oh, my God. Did you see all that snow in upstate New York? Oh, my God. Uh, I cannot believe. Oh, that snow was ridiculous. I don't know how those those uh, Buffalo Bills got out of town to go play football. You know, they couldn't even get out. They had to, people had to go and dig them out. I, I don't I don't understand it. I really don't. I, that would see that kind of snow would make me call a realtor and like, how soon can I, how soon can I get out of Dodge <laughs> before? Well, you're not going anywhere now with 77 inches of snow. So let's, let's, uh, let's, let's be real. So that's, that's not happening. Um, uh, that's, that's a bit challenging. So I'm not doing that. And then um they have a they have a football player on their team who's what six six, six five or something like that. And uh he couldn't even find his car. They had to come and dig him out. Everybody had to get digged out. Ooh, I don't understand it. <laughs> I I do not understand it. And uh it's a little crazy for me. I I don't, I don't, uh, that's a lot. So anyway, God bless him. And it's snowing now. Can you imagine? No, I don't, I don't, I don't want to imagine. I don't, I don't want to imagine. <laughs> I don't want to imagine. So, uh, I don't know. I think, I think I might've messed up people's times. Uh-oh. Uh oh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I think um, I should have double checked this, but you know, I got so many people coming in and out that uh, we'll see what's happening. Anyway, I'm glad y'all are with me this morning. It's Monday, and it's it. Uh, yeah, she's at nine fifteen. So well, she she'll 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 jump in any minute now. Harry, uh, is there anybody in our waiting room? Uh, Harry might be doing stuff. I just text him. No, no one's in there. Um, and you have the uh, co-host permission, so you'll be able to let him in. Oh, okay. All right. I know. <laughs> it's it's like Grand Central Station over here. <laughs> So, so yeah, so you'll be able to let her in when she comes in. Okay. Well, you know what? Maybe she will. Maybe she won't. We'll we'll figure it out. 
Yeah. Yeah. I found the confirmation. So I was like, yeah, it was 915. I'm happy to have it be 915. Yeah. Today's the 21st, 915. So she'll be on in a minute now. We'll see. We'll wait. Anyway, uh, I already talked about that snow in upstate New York, which that I, that cannot be the precursor to what might happen in Connecticut. Like, I, I'm not praying for none of that. <laughs> I am not. Uh, I am not. Uh, I am not going to uh, pray for that. Or any of that in Buffalo. They that I don't even know how do you how do you even deal with that? How do you even that's like being in Russia? I can't, I know. I can't. Although I didn't I didn't get out to hear any good music this weekend. And there was there was a, a couple of music venues that I wanted to partake in. I'm a little bummed that I didn't get a chance to uh catch some live music this weekend. You know, but you know, you, you can't be everywhere all the time, all at once. I try, I try, I try, I try, uh, but it's it's not going to happen. Um, at ten fifteen, I've got um, Kat Morris on, and uh, and she's going to talk about um, um, she's going to talk about our environmental justice kinds of things uh, because that's what she does, and she's working on that. So I'm excited to sort of have a conversation with her at 1015. I met her at Bloom, coming out of Bloom. And I just thought she was so engaging. Uh, and I said, oh, I must have you on. So she's a scholar activist. Um, she has a master's in public policy from the University of Connecticut. And uh, she founded the Yukon Collaborative Organizing uh, to promote solidarity and, and intersectionality and social and environmental justice movements. So. So it's good to see a sister out there in these streets talking about environmental social justice uh, because we have been impacted greatly uh, by uh, oh, deliberate systemic racist tactics that keep that keep uh, that keep the environment uh, harmful to us, for us, through us. So um, so yeah, I just want to hear what she's got going on and how we should be framing these conversations. And what can we do as citizens? What can we do as citizens? So in my letter write, writing campaign yesterday at uh, Professor Foreman's house, you know, in my in my letter, I wrote, you know, voting is the cornerstone of our democracy. Join me in owning your voice and your right to vote. You know, own that. And I know it's a runoff, but, you know, and I know you just had a big election. You're like, oh, I have to go back out there and do this again. Yeah, you do, because it's important. It's important. And, you know, these are our rights and I want people to exercise them. And uh, and I, I don't I, I, I want to I almost want to say I don't care who you vote for. I almost want to say that. I'm not going to say that, but I almost want to say it. So but because I always want people to vote in their best interest, you know. Not, not how you feel, not, not American Idol, not, you know, based on somebody looks good in a Prada suit. No, I want you to, to vote in the interest of your everyday practical life. What does that look like? What do you need in your everyday practical life, in your community, in your city, in your town, in your region? What does that look like? You know, and then make hard decisions about who can best represent and deliver on the things that you care about most. That's that's really what it is, you know. Who can who can um, carry the message that you feel deeply about into the spaces that 
uh, where they vote and allocate allocate resources to 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 make your living conditions better. And I need people to sort of pay attention to that. And that's what voting does. It gives you, it raises your voice and it lets people know these are the things that you care about. And so you elect somebody who represents that and can represent that in the spaces where resources are allocated, like the government. <laughs> so I need people, I need people to be on that tip. <laughs> And that's why I want people to vote. And that's what I said kind of in my letter, in my handwritten letter. And, and you know, it's such a pleasure to have a really nice writing pen. And I'm partial to these gel pens and, and writing that out over and over and over again uh, to people. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it is. And uh, yeah, so I just want I just want people to vote and vote in their best interest for their community. And 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 Georgia has got a lot a lot at stake a lot at stake, and I don't know. I I cannot believe that people really think that Herschel Walker could represent them. <laughs> I, I and not not because he's stupid, but just because he doesn't he doesn't he does not have a history of valuing what is important to communities, particularly communities of color. So I don't, I, I think uh, some, some, some truth telling has to be told and some come to Jesus moments have to happen. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. I, listen, this is all very challenging. <laughs> it's, a, it's all very challenging and hella surreal. Very, very surreal. Uh, but but I, you know, I, I I have faith in the Georgian people. I have faith in the people of Georgia to sort of do uh, what is in their best interest, and uh, and I I believe Reverend Warnock is in their best interest. But I don't live in Georgia. My everyday practical life is here in Connecticut. Um, I I just think from where I sit, the choice is rather clear. But again, I don't live in Georgia and I don't know what people's everyday practical lives are like. I have some idea. I could make some conclusions. Um, so we shall see. And uh, I mean, it's a lot at stake. Um, and I need people to take this serious and 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 fight hard you know because this is this is this is who represents you you know i mean it really does and you owe it to yourselves and i and i've got people who listen to georgia i i've got folks who listen uh that you you gotta you gotta go and knock on your neighbor's doors and your friend's doors and your family members doors and you just gotta you know keep people motivated and engaged you know and you have to press upon that this press upon them that this is important and life-changing um and that the the nature of your communities depend on who you send back to to uh to uh to 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 congress and and this is important stuff uh, and and there are other agendas at play here that mean you no good 
Uh, I think that's pretty evident, pretty clear as far as I'm concerned. There are forces that mean you no good. Um, and, and I need you to be able to, I need Georgians to be able to identify that <laughs> and, and vote accordingly. So, so anyway, uh, I don't know where Ms. Uh, Zibby Owens is, but I, I hope that she's coming on. They confirmed. So, you know, but anything could happen, you know, last minute things, scheduling hiccups, children. <laughs> you know, she's running Empire. So, you know, anything could happen. Tomorrow, my guest is, uh, let's see, I've got, I've got the third person as part of that whole conversation that happened at the Schwartzman Center, uh, Camilla uh, Forbes, who is uh, the executive over at the Apollo Theater in New York. Um, so I'm looking forward to talking to her. Another impressive, uh, equally impressive sister um, and uh, run down her, her, her accomplishments tomorrow. But that's the conversation tomorrow at 10.15. So I'm, I'm so excited to uh, have that conversation with her and talk about, you know, what's this been like? I mean, the Apollo Theater is, is historic and iconic. Uh, you know, I mean, it has a long and storied history and, you know, rooted in Harlem and what that means and how far it has come and the rich history of all of that. So I'm looking forward to uh, having that conversation with her. Like, what does it mean to, to be at the helm of, a, of an institution that people um, love and care for and, and have such reverence for? I mean, it is a Harlem institution. Like, I mean, you just can't go to Harlem without saying the Apollo Theater, let alone not walking by it. Like you can walk by it on your way to other things in other places. So, you know, um, so, so it'd be nice to talk to her. And then um, I think I finished off the week with um, those young, those young women who wrote the book on the, uh, uh, the who wrote the book on gathering uh, stories about women's periods, menstruation cycles. So uh, I get to talk to uh, uh, Rachel Carter Nailbuff and her her friend and schoolmate uh, Sophia. I didn't get Sophia's last name, but Sophia, and uh, and they'll be on tomorrow uh, Thursday uh, Wednesday. Uh, and that's the last conversation I have before we break for um, Thanksgiving break. So it'll be lovely to talk to them. Um, because I'm excited about this book. Uh, I mean, I mean, these young women are 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 talking about their periods and what that means, and and you know, such a quiet kept experience for so many women. And I'm so glad that I'm, I mean, I was so ready to be done with mine that I, I barely want to speak about it. Only because it was, I mean, for the better part of my life, it was just so. It was just never an easy time. It was just never, 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 never an easy time. So, so it is a shared experience amongst women, lots of women, and uh, uh, people, people with reproductive systems. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. I want to hear. I was like, what, you know, what, what, what caused her, motivated her to sort of compile all these conversations and essays and the like uh, for this issue. You know, such a young woman. Um, and, and you know, what does she hopes to do beyond this? You know, 
So I I almost wish there was a book like this for me when I was coming up, because at least I would have had some some awareness, you know, some awareness, so a better awareness. I mean, I, I I was fully I was fully aware of what was happening to me, but I would have liked to have known about other women's stories about you know how they managed and and worked through uh, their periods. So. Uh, and I think this is a conversation that men can be invited to, too, right? Because I, I don't know any man who's not in relationship relationship to some some person with a reproductive system, right? I, I don't, I, you know, whether it's your mom or your sister or your cousin or your auntie, or, you know, or 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 the people you work with, <laughs> or the lady that drives your bus, or I mean. We're half the population. <laughs> so you might want to, you know, arm yourself with some with some education so that you so that you too can understand what is happening at this particular time in people's lives. And and, and yes, in people's lives. Cause not much is ever talked about. And it's always seems to be a, a quietly held uh uh experience so so anyway that is wednesday and then thursday of course is thanksgiving and uh i think there's i also heard tell that uh the macy's parade is having i think an, an additional new float or two so uh i don't know how cold it'll be to be down in new york standing outside watching the parade you know there have been years when it's been very very warm and then there's been days where it's been bitter, bitterly cold. So I think we're going to fall somewhere in the middle this year. Like, I think it'll be like, you know, 50, 50 degrees or so, you know, somewhere around there, which isn't terrible. I mean, you need a coat, but it's not freezing. So we'll see what happens. We shall see what happens. <laughs> but I know it's always a treat. And I know people who make it part of their family experience around the holidays to go into New York and to find a good place and to watch the uh, parade. I like to watch it on television. That's my thing. Watch it. Watch it on television. Preferably with a, you know, I maybe I'll get some hot cocoa. Or, or my, I have great coffee, but maybe some hot cocoa um, with vegan marshmallows so uh yeah we'll see i don't i don't yeah i might be able to do that i might be able to pull that off um I'm, i gotta pick up my pies i ordered pies so i'm picking up pies i'm gonna drop one at my girlfriend's house around the corner and i'm gonna take one to ife's house on thursday i think that's how i'm gonna do this i i can't i think i brought two pies and then I don't think I bought the little pies. I think I brought the regular size pies, but I have to go pick them up today. So, so I will pick them up. Blueberry pie is my favorite thing, uh, but I like all pies, <laughs> like all pies, vegan pie, cherry pie, apple pie, all of it. As long as it's vegan, I'm happy. I can eat all the pies. I like pies, chicken pot pie. <laughs> 
<laughs> like all the pies. <laughs> I'm a pie girl. So I haven't met a pie I didn't like, let me tell you. So um, so we'll see about that. But I, I've got to go pick them up uh, because the young lady, uh, Bloom had a holiday open house. They've been having holiday open house with uh, vendors and, and the like. And so I met the young woman who makes the pies and uh, I bought pie. I bought the small personal pies and then I ordered um, ordered my pies. So I'm excited to go and pick up my pies. I believe I have to pick them up today. So uh, I'm going to do that, pick up my pies <laughs> and, and pray that they get to the des intended destinations and not just my tummy. I feel very Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> pies for my tummy. So so we'll see. Uh, pray for me, saints. Pray for me that these pies make it to a destination, that they make it to a destination. Um, so uh, that's one part of it. Uh, let's see what else. I mean, there's there's some gossipy news that's going around town, but I don't want to talk about it just yet until I get until I see who I need to see to confirm some things. But I tell you, it's real in these arts communities. <laughs> it's real in these arts communities, and uh, I just got to figure out what what is uh what is the truth of things. That's all. I I know what I hear. And I know what I see. Now I gotta hear from the folks about who are who are in it and what's the story. And no, I'm not talking about the Connecticut Pride. I'm not talking about the Maine Pride Center. That, that's gonna that's gonna sort itself out. Um, that's gonna sort itself out. But there's another organization in town that just has some challenges and some changes. So we'll see how that goes. We shall see how that goes. Um, anyway, but that's a little that's a little street gossip for you. You know, I'm not one to do a whole lot of gossiping, uh, but it came to me, and I wanna, I wanna, I wanna find out. I wanna get to the root of it. Oh, you know what? Let me also tell you. You know, my great love Samara Joy is nominated uh, for a Grammy. Uh, I think best artist, best new artist. And uh, I think best best new album or jazz album or something. And I'm, I could not be more delighted. I am uh, I'm waiting for uh, my my record to come. I ordered I pre ordered the record, the red one. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I ordered uh, my records, and I I don't think they ship until the 23rd or tomorrow or the next day so so i cannot wait and you know she's you know she's like 22 23 she has had a birthday another birthday i'm such a fan but her new her new her new album is linger a while she just looks beautiful on the cover so uh i'm and she's covering some heavy hitters right but uh, I just, you know, I have been in love with her since I saw the video of her on YouTube. And then, you know, we then we went and hunted her down and found her playing in New York. So we saw her in New York. Uh, and then we saw her, then we were with her on Martha's Vineyard. 
and heard her swing at uh, Martha's Vineyard. Uh, and then she's going to be uh, at Lincoln Center uh, um, on the second. And I I just want to, maybe not, I don't know where she's going to be. Oh, no, the Big Bay Holiday and Lincoln Center Orchestra. Oh, this is where the, they're all going. So I got to see when, when they're going to be, like, back in. Oh, so December 14th. So I might have to buy me a ticket. <laughs> I might have to just make that a, a commitment. Uh, 8 p.m. at the Rose Theater. Uh, I, I might have to, I, you know, I love a good big band. Let me tell you, I love, I love a big band. So uh, I'll figure out how to, which time I could go. I don't know how I'm going to try to go anywhere. I got work to do. I got stuff to study for. This LSAT ain't going to take itself. Uh, but I want to, um, uh, yeah, she's 24. And, but I just love her. Her voice is like, it is like the best bourbon on a summer night sitting on the porch. I mean, it's just everything. So, uh, so they got some, some heavy hitters. So, uh, so I want to, I want to figure this out. Maybe I could go on a Friday or a Saturday. I'm officiating a wedding, but that's not till the end of December. Um, I wouldn't mind going on a Thursday. So what I would probably do is train in and then have car service back. Ooh, these tickets are stinky. <laughs> Ooh, wee. But you know what? I would go because I would sit right there in that doggone orchestra because um, she is amazing. And I'd go by myself too if I nobody wanted to spend that kind of money. That'd be an expensive little little treat. Um, holiday prices. Oh, Ife, you're not you're not at school. <laughs> you play hooky already. So yeah, these holiday prices. But I, 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 I wish we could have went and saw her at uh at the Blue Note or wherever the hell she was just recently. <laughs> so Ife is holding it down in these education streets. She is, I think she's like permanent sub or something. Um. So yeah, uh, I know, I know, uh, Miss Joy was. I think she was at the Blue Note, and uh, and and we missed it. But she's, you know, she's playing around. So, so we'll 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 we will catch her again. If I don't catch her, I mean, I just to see her at the at, at Lincoln Center would be just just uh, divine. And with the whole roster of singers that they that they have for this particular uh, big band jazz uh, production. It would be worth anything, you know, but, you know, I could, I could not sit in the orchestra, but I, but I would want to sit in the orchestra because, you know, I'm fancy. 
but I could take a cheaper seat and sit my little butt up in the balconies and, you know, hear the music from way on high. I could do that, but we'll see. You know, I've got, I, I don't know why I think I got all this time to do all these things, you know, but they, what do they call me? Um, one of these people that uh, works from a place of abundance. <laughs> I, I'm one of these people. I just think we could do, when people say, oh, I, I just believe we could do anything. I just, I just, hands down. I just think people could do anything. You just have to say, this is what I'm gonna do and then just go do it. I don't care what it is. Now you may not be at the top of your field, because that means a level of dedication, but it doesn't mean you can't try. Like, I, I may want to learn how to play the cello. A am I going to ever play the cello good enough to be in somebody's symphony? No. And and that is not my, that's not the goal. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that. But, but what I can do is learn to play. See what I'm saying? So, you know, I might take a ballet class. I'm, I'm never going to, I have no desire to dance the Nutcracker. But I would like to get back into a little ballet. See what I'm saying? So you could do anything. Like we could do anything. We could just do anything. I I just don't think. I I just believe that. I believe you could just do anything. And you, and then once you say that, the the world, the the universe lines up, uh, lines up for you. I I believe that. I believe it. Now I I. I there are some dire things in the world that that kind of magical thinking might seem far-fetched. Might, might. Uh, but I, I do believe that uh, that collectively and individually, we can make magical things happen. I mean, we've shown that we could do it. It has been done. Uh, we just have to sort of stay in that mindset of we can do anything. Anything can be done. Anything. And uh, like Alice Walker says, anything we love can be saved at the same time. So I'm, I'm of that thinking. So, well, I'm not sure Mississippi Owens is coming on today. So I hope all is well. Uh, but I did hear from her camp that they were, you know, that they had it and they were committed to it. Uh, and this is what they wanted to do. So, but you know, listen, listen, I, I I cannot take issue or be upset in this game because I know from my own personal experiences how things happen and outside of your control. Particularly if you have kids and you're running stuff. I mean, I, I just know. <laughs> so you got, I just can't do it. <laughs> I can't, I can't be in two, three places at once. I understand. I Listen, I tell people all the time, because people always ask me, oh, how do you do it? How do you do it? I do it because one, I love doing this. Two, talking, I think is a real skill set that I possess. And three, um, I, I don't think people not showing up is personal to me. I, I don't think like, oh, I hate her. I'm not going on her show. No, I don't, I don't think that at all. I think things come up for people. This is a, a complicated time of day. This is first thing in the morning. Um, and you know, this is work time for people. This is all kinds of things, times for people. I get it. 
you know that's why I sort of love the zoom concept so much because it does it does remove a barrier of place right that you can be anywhere and log in you could be anywhere um, so I so I love that that zoom allows us or any of these platforms of this kind of uh, 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 medium uh, allows us to remove the barriers. Uh, um, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I, I I love being in in person with people. I do, but I but I like even better removing the barriers for place for people uh, because I think that it just gives me it just gives me a better conversation. Um, when I when I'm having people come in on, on their own terms from wherever they are to spend 40, 45 minutes with me. Do you know what I mean? And they're not checking their clock for the parking or worried about getting a damn ticket, which reminds me, I have a ticket I have to take care of. I'm going to do it. I'm going to handle it today when I get over to the inner city. I was going to try to run downtown and park, but you know, that's his own nightmare. So I'll just pay the three dollar fee or whatever the hell it is um so it's like paying like it is just like a, a tank of, uh a gallon of gas <laughs> that's how i'm gonna chalk it up a gal it's gonna be a gallon of gas i'll i'll pay the fee <laughs> because so so we we really could have done word on the street this morning <laughs> although it's a bit cold so um it's a bit cold uh, so uh, Paul will be out there tomorrow, those scouring people, running up on people. <laughs> That's the word on the street. So 70s. I love it, though. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So. So, yeah. So. So maybe I maybe I get to reschedule um, Zippy Owens uh, or not. We'll see. I, I hold out hope. If not, I've got Miss uh, Camila Forbes on tomorrow from the Apollo Theater, and uh, and I'm excited to talk to her. So, so yeah, so I, listen, it's a week of talking, people. We're getting ready for the holiday. In this season of thanks and giving, listen, I'm grateful. What are you thankful for? Who's thankful? Family, friends. I'm so thankful for my friends. So thankful for my family. Happy birthday to my nephew, Trent. He turns 20 today. It just flew by so quickly. One day he was, one day I'm talking to my sister on the phone, talking about, oh yeah, I'm about to go into labor. I said, what? <laughs> and then the next thing she calls me, I was like, where are you? She's like, I'm, I'm in the hospital. What happened? Oh, he's here. <laughs> the baby is here. He's here. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Yes. So my sister had a whole birth plan. And I wish my mother was alive because uh, she would have been she would have enjoyed this whole craziness of my sister having a baby. Um, so so she she gets into the hot she gets in the hospital and uh, and she says to them, you know, I I'm scheduled for an epidural, blah, 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 blah. And they were like, Mrs. Guatney, uh, that baby is right here. <laughs> we, there's no need. If we, we can just pull the baby right now. Like, this baby is here. 
and both our pregnancies was like that my mother's pregnancies was like that too she was like next thing she know they everybody was here popped out boom you know without any fanfare i was like wow so i i i i would say my sister had inherited that from my mom kicking out these babies i swear to god i'm talking to my sister she's like oh my water broke uh, but i'm gonna finish up these towels and then i'm gonna go to the hospital <laughs> i was like what girl get your ass to the hospital and sure enough she called me I, it, it probably was next to nothing i was like oh my god what is going on and she's like oh no he's here <laughs> here <laughs> so two times she did it she called me when my when uh, when, when taylor was born same almost the same damn story right he's uh she, she's, i'm on my way to the hospital oh it's here i said like, well call me when you when you and she, when she called me it felt like it was 15 minutes ago. She's like, oh, yeah, he's here. What? <laughs> so, yeah, that's my sister. I love my sister. Uh, so, yeah, so my my nephew, Trent Guafney, is 20 years old today. He's like, I don't know, like 6'5 or something. You know, he plays in a band. He plays in a jazz band from high school. He's He's one of these tech-certified kids you know, can do all kinds of things online. And, uh, you know, his grandmother bought him a fancy car for his graduation gift. So he's, he's all right. He's very beautiful. They are both very beautiful. So happy birthday, Trent. I sent him a little happy birthday um, message this morning. And, uh, but, you know, and I got to check Auntie Babs's message. Or maybe he will. I sent it. So we'll we'll see what happens. So happy birthday, beautiful one. Happy birthday. So uh, these children are growing up. So him and Margo are the same age. Um, she turned she had turned 20 in February. And so so they're together for a few months. This this is how it was with my my cousins, uh, Dennis and Denise. You know, their birthday is in February. My birthday is in May. So for a few months, we're the same. We were the same age. And it's it's a it's a weird feeling to sort of know that they both have passed away. Like that just freaks me out every time I think about it, because I can't ever I can't ever remember a time when they just weren't very present. I mean, Denise passed away uh, about a decade ago and then just passed away like a couple of years ago, like a year ago two years ago uh, in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, so it's just, uh, it's just weird um, that they're not here. Although I feel their presence. Like, I don't feel like they're some way far away. I feel them. And I think because we were so close as children uh, that that has stayed with me. So, so anyway, I say that to say Margo and, and Trent uh, are 20 together right now. And then, and then, uh, and then she'll be 21. So, so yeah, so my youngest daughter is, you know, having, having, having a moment of struggle and a moment of, of, of trying to figure out how to move forward and 
how to handle relationships and feeling a little adrift and bereft and, you know, trying to be the supportive parent. You know, I, I think she thinks that I don't listen enough. I, you know, I try to send her uplifting things. I don't think it's helpful. <laughs> no, no matter what I say, it's not very helpful. <laughs> I try to be mindful. I try to be a mindful parent. But, you know, it's one of those things where people are in the midst of a storm. You know, anything that you, anything that you do to reach out to them feels like pain to them. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, and that could be a hard thing for parents. Because parents, our first thought is to rescue our children. That is our first foremost thought. What can I do to take away their pain? What can I do to ease their burden? What can I do to help them on this journey? And, uh, and you have to sometimes say, this is not your, that's not your role in this moment. Like your job is not to rescue them. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes your job is to just be supportive, you know? Or sometimes your job is that they need a couple of dollars, you give it to them. Or sometimes your job is, you know, just let them know that you're around and you care and love them. That's that's the role. I mean, you know, that's just what it is. And uh, and it's it can be very tricky for parents to try to navigate grown children's issues and concerns and storms and what have you because. In our eyes, they're still our babies, and we look at them as such. Um, but we have to allow them to grow and build coping mechanisms and stronger world muscles to 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 do the work. And that and that, and for a lot of parents, that's really hard <laughs> because the guilt kicks in, and you feel. I mean, listen, we've all been down that road. You know, we've all we've all done it. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm confirmed in my allowing them to sort of go down their only their own yellow brick roads, you know. So anyway, the station identification is about to come on. I'm going to take a break in a little bit. I'm going to come back with the lovely, talented Cat Morris uh, and have a conversation about uh, environmental justice. <laughs> Fight the power. <laughs> You gotta fight the power. So um and just here. You know Hi, this do. is Babs Rawls Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut. And you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. Right. 
something ain't right I feel like you've been taunting me Eager to fight Hoping someday I will leave Forgetting that you You gave up so naturally You must have forgot You ex me out entirely Childish games You just can't accept the truth To make it worse
morning, beautiful people. Welcome back to Love Babs Love Talk. This is the second hour, and I have the pleasure of talking to Kat Morris. Uh, she is my guest this morning. I am delighted to have her. Let me tell you a little something about Ms. Morris. She is a scholar activist with a master's of public policy degree from, the, from UConn, and she founded the UConn Collaborative Organizing, UCCO, to promote solidarity and intersectionality in social and environmental justice movements. Hello, dear. Hi, thank you. How for are me. you? I'm well. How are you? I've been dying to have this conversation ever since I met you at Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was great. That was how are you? I'm good. You know, you brought up Bloom, so I have to promo an event I'm organizing right now. I'm having a Friendsgiving at Bloom next Monday. Yay! Come get some vegan food and some wine and good vibes. It'll be a great time. Okay, girl, I might have to show up for that. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely have to show up for that. All right, so tell tell me about the intersectionality of social justice and environmental issues. Where should we be positioning ourselves? Uh, Well, there are so many ways that folks can position themselves. When I talk about organizing and kind of showing up in the world with respect to intersectional environmental justice. I like to use the acronym LOVE. Um, This is my TED talk, but so it stands for, so LOVE, it's L means to listen to learn. O is to organize with an open mind. V is to value a variety of perspectives. And E is to engage everyone in every way possible. And, you know, in doing that, you're allowing yourself to be have an open mind, take an active interest in how other people engage with the world so that can inform the work that you do. Um, because it recognizes that you need collective genius in order to solve the world problems that we have. Um, and that doesn't necessarily you know, have to be, oh, I need to solve every single problem in the world, me as an individual. But you know, say there's something going on in your community. It would help you to talk to other people in your community to figure that out. So that's just like one frame of thought. But also like for you, you know, I'm sure you and you learn something every time you have a different guest on. And from that collective knowledge, you can kind of shift the culture in a different way or kind of even just change your everyday life. And I try to shift the culture of organizing in in that way um and different levels so that's my initial thought but i can go i can be more explanatory about the concept of intersectionality if you'd like i i think that's a good one so so when did you know that um this was your calling when did you know <laughs> that this was the road that you wanted to go down ah that's yeah that's a big that's a big question <laughs> I'm still in the space of trying to figure out my calling um, in terms of what it looks like professionally, mm-hmm. because I think I learned at a really, really young age that I'm very outspoken. So advocacy in in a, in a sense, in some sense, is kind of built into my personality, built into how I show up. You know, when I was really young, my aunt, people used to call me mouth because I always had something to say. And I was like, okay. I was like, all right. Right. Or I was like constantly getting in trouble for being in grown folks business. You know what I mean? And it's just like, because for me, like, you know, the classic adult answer 
I would always say, why, why this, why that? And they'll be like, because I said so. And I'm like, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> like, I need you to justify this. And this is me at like five, right? And so to some extent, of course, like my personality made this work like fitting for me. But how exactly I want to show up, I'm not entirely sure yet. I've worked, I've worked for great nonprofits like Health Equity Solutions. I've worked for federal EPA. Um, I've worked for academic research um, oriented um, institutes that are also doing environmental research and environmental justice work. Um, I've worked for state government. I'm still trying to figure out how exactly I want to show up. But what I do know is that I love talking to people. I love organizing events. I love raising awareness. I love connecting with people um, and the planet, right? So so tell me about that. Tell me about the the this this walk to environmental issues because it sounds like the skills that you have are transferable. Yeah. So you could you could pick any 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 entity and do well, I think. But tell me about the environmental piece that mm has engaged you? Yeah. Mm. When I was really, really young, I have always been really into trees. I, the more I reflect on it, the more I see it. I've been climbing trees since I was a child. <laughs> you know, my parents are Jamaican immigrants that came over here. So we would spend time in Jamaica in the summers. We'd go there for a couple of months and I it would just feel so great to just be surrounded um, any yardies listening, my mom from Westmoreland, and it's just Baca Bush, it's just the trees, like that's it, you know what I mean? That's where all the farmers <laughs> live. And so, you know, that felt so good. And when I go back, like that feels so perfect. So part of me feels like there's something ancestral there, you know what I mean? Where like they've been on this land and I, you know, I get a connection, I get a thrill, I get serenity from hugging a tree that I know my grandmother hugged. Like that kind of just feels different. It hits different, you know? Um, and, you know, so, and I love seeing how people, they want a mango, they go climb the tree. They want some guinnips, they go climb the tree. You know what I mean? Like that type of connection to land is so beautiful to me. Um, and as I've gotten older or, you know, growing up in America, I still have that in different ways. And then what I think what really sparked environmentalism for me was that when I moved to Bridgeport, Connecticut uh, for high school, it was a sharp juxtaposition. Mm. So where I'd been living in really super white and rural and like areas. So I had all the woods. I had the hiking space. I had the berries to pick, you know what I mean? Um, and then losing that <clears throat> and seeing that, you know, in <laughs> seeing that we don't have the same type of tree canopy, we do have an excess of air pollution and different forms of um, waste incinerators, gas plants in our neighborhoods, not the other neighborhoods, not Trumbull, not in Sonia, <laughs> like, but in Bridgeport, you know? Um, that kind of lit my soul on fire in a different way. Cause I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The world wasn't looking like this when I was around people who didn't look like me, but now that I am around people who do look like me, suddenly my environment is quite different. Suddenly my environment is no longer healthy. Suddenly I don't have access to basic things that sustain human life in a healthy way. Um, and really, I think it is the fact that I've, I've lived both, I've experienced both. So in those predominantly white areas, 
I was constantly inundated with like interpersonal racism, but not systemic racism. You know what I mean? But then once I switched over to BASIC, it was less interpersonal racism and more systemic in the sense that my access to resources, um, opportunity, health and wellness features of a neighborhood diminished. Uh, and that I can say a lot more. And I'd love to talk more about Bridgeport and specifically BASIC High School, because that's where I graduated from. Um, mm. But I don't know if you like pauses or if I should keep going. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I, I mean, listen, I. I, you know, I was talking to someone that I just met yesterday who works in the envi environmental field. Cool. And I had said, uh, he, he lives, he lives in Vermont. Oh. So, um, and he's going to be doing some, some work in Florida um, around clean water initiatives and stuff like that. Nice. Um, so I had said, I had asked him, hey, uh, do you think we're good stewards of the earth? Mm. <laughs> <Who's we? laughs> and he said, no, we are, yeah. we are absolutely not good stewards of the earth. Mm -hmm. And so that always gets me thinking about what does that mean? And, 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 and he said, you know, it's almost too late to, to try to do anything different, but ah, I disagree. You know, I, I kind of disagree too, but uh, but it, that's not my field of expertise, but I, but I do come from a place of always thinking we could do anything and anything we love can be saved. And yes, so, um, mm -hmm. so I'm always in that space. So talk to me about what that looks like for you. Yeah. What, um, what does it look like to be a good steward or, or mm -hmm. of the earth? Yeah. So I agree that, so I understand your friend's sentiments because you know the phrase do or die? Yes. Kind of where we're at right now in the climate space. So it's really easy though, for if you live in that space and that sentiment, it's really easy to feel like, well, there's nothing we can do. It is what it is, yada, yada, you know? But I think like when you lose hope and lose faith like that, that's when the decline can get sharper because now no one wants to do anything. Everyone's jaded. Um, so I like to, again, I try to operate from the space of love and radical love. And for me, that entails responsibility, but it also fosters connection and community. Uh, and so I think that's the first step. Like you need to have a sense of connection to be a good steward of the land. I kind of, you know, I just described the fact that I do have a really strong connection to nature that, you know, someone who might've grown up in a city might not have because they might not have access to parks and lands and stuff like that. They might not even have trees in their backyard or on their street. Um, so it starts with the connection, but then that moves into responsibility. Like when you think of anyone you're deeply connected with, you want to protect them. You want to care for them. You want to nourish them. Um, you want people who are harming them to be held accountable, right? And so right now we are those people. We need to be held accountable for the way that we're harming the environment. And that looks like being really intentional and being really, really, um, intentional and aware, but making the right decisions because we don't really have time to waste anymore. And we don't have time to be like, oh, I don't know, we used to do that in the past and it was okay. It wasn't okay, hence why we have a problem now. And so a really specific example right now is I'm spending a lot of time advocating for Bassett High School, which is my mm -hmm. alma mater. That's where I graduated from um, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And I'm advocating it for it because 
they currently, you know, Bridgeport's old. Listen, the old school is dingy. They need a new one. Now, I'll be honest, it was messed up <laughs> when I was there, you know? Uh, it's like 100 years old now. And so they want to build a new one, but they considered rebuilding it where it currently stands. They considered rebuilding it a little bit down the street. But now they want to build it um, in the south end of Bridgeport next to the right off the coast of the Long Island Sound, right next to Seaside Park. Um, and they demolished an old UB building to kind of put it there next to the field, kind of off of 115 Broad Street in Lafayette. The issue with that is that, A, it's in a FEMA-designated flood zone. So, oh. yes. So, <laughs> like a FEMA-designated special hazard area flood zone, right? So it is particularly susceptible to flooding. That same area has a lot of CSO issues or combined sewer overflow issues. So you don't even need a Hurricane Sandy for sewage overflows to happen because that's how you know the infrastructure is not good. Um, and on top of that, it's next to two um, deep EJ designated affecting facilities. So as per deep and the dph there are two major facilities that cause a lot of air pollution making that area in environmental justice community making that area a climate vulnerable community um and those are two gas plants so the PSEG um gas plant this is right where the you know where the coal plant just got shut down mm -hmm. it's right there it's right there this is a 10 minute walk this is a visual you can see it you know what i mean um, and the coal plant just shut down last year, but the gas plant is is like newer, so that's gonna go for how. So they want to build a high school there. Yeah, exactly. You heard the question mark at the end of your sentence. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Not only so, not only is there two gas plants right there, there's also two hydrogen plants, and people are like, oh, but hydrogen is less bad, blah blah blah. It still runs on fossil fuels. Still bad for the environment. Still bad for people's health. And yeah, and an incinerator not too far away. You know what I mean? Less walking distance, but definitely all of these things are breathing distance. And it's like, why would you want to build a high school there? And on top of that, they didn't do the proper environmental impact assessments that a city is supposed to do and that a state is supposed to do. Um, so we don't even know how much this is going to impact Seaside Park, which is also right there, how much it's gonna impact the Long Island Sound. So I'm sure your friend who's riled up about water quality would be quite upset about this <laughs> because it is a problem and it could facilitate increased runoff into the sound and stormwater pollution there. It's going to increase more pollution into the park um, and a, a whole slew of other variables that we can't account for again because those assessments weren't done and there's been no public comment so the residents who are going to be affected who live in the area the students the teachers the staff who'd work at BASIC none of them have been able to weigh in on this and say um hey maybe not <laughs> right uh so for me it's like how do we how do I raise awareness I've been going hard on social media but also trying to you know get people to a public hearing that's today um, at 6.30 p.m. in Bridgeport at City Hall, um, but also, you know, going to keep organizing after today because it's just a jump off. It's not like the last opportunity. Um, so yeah. do you feel like, Catherine, that people are listening to this and, and, and thinking that this might not be a good idea? Like, I, yeah, where, where are the, what are you hearing on the streets from people and parents and other stakeholders. I mean, teachers cannot be happy about this either. 
dude, a lot of them don't even know. So the residents of the area, because they see the construction site, um, mind you, this is not set in stone. They haven't broken ground. They demolished the building, but they are not have the final approval to start building a school, which is also why I feel a sense of urgency. But teachers didn't know because I've been reaching out to teachers. I've been reaching out to um, teachers' representatives, and they're like, whoa, 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 this is the first time we're hearing of this. The Board of Ed, this is the first time they're hearing of this. Students, this is the first time they're hearing of this. It's, it's insane. And that's a part of the environmental injustice issue. If you don't have a public hearing, if you don't tell anyone anything, they can't say anything until it's too late. You know what I mean? That's a classic tactic. Keep people out of the loop. Don't tell them what's going on, you know? And although it's been in the newspaper and what have you, when was the last time you read a newspaper, Babs? <laughs> I, I, I read one every day because I run one, but... <laughs> okay. Yeah, you read yours, you know what I mean? So it's just like, that's not that, that's not community engagement, you know? Um, if they really wanted communities, they would have had school assembly at BASIC talking about this. You know what I mean? It would have been that simple. So... There's a whole lot of environmental racism going on. And it's like, again, the main tactic is like people are left in the dark until it's too late. And so for me, I'm like, whoa, 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 but it's not too late. So I'm trying to shine a light on this as much as possible. Um, and when people do hear about it, they're all appalled in the same way you were. They're kind of like, what? <laughs> like they're trying to do what, where? Um, and those are my sentiments exactly. Wow. So are you... Do you have a team of people? Is it just you? Is there a crew? What's happening? Yeah, <laughs> squad. Um, yeah, because there's always other people. Maisa Tisdale, who runs the Freeman Center, um, mm. the uh, Mary and Eliza Freeman Center, she's been doing this largely by herself since February. So I hopped on then, and now I'm like, okay, 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 let's get back to it. Um, and I have folks who are helping me in and out, but in terms of people who are like, largely committed to it it's mostly like me and Maisa um but we're getting other people on board for sure that's a big part of the organizing that I'm doing right now there are a lot of organizations save the sound they're highly on board they're like whoa 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 let's not do this Sierra Club is not into it you know um Sunrise Connected they're not into it there are a lot of people who are supporting the efforts but that always varies because there's a million and one different things that are going on in the state you know what I mean like I'm almost certain there's an, there's probably another Vasakai situation happening right now that I don't that I don't know about you know oh, I'm I'm sure I'm so, so what does the um what does the leadership of the city say like what have you spoken to the mayor have you had the mayor's ear have you talked yet. to the legislative body and the what, what do they have, the city, uh, city council? City council. Yeah, so I'm going to do some of that. Oh, I'm going to try to do a lot of that tonight. I have not engaged other certain folks yet. Oh, I, when I was trying to, you know, when I was working at state government, I was trying to engage folks there, but there was a lot of kind of like, oh, but, you know, they're going to raise the first floor. And I'm like, that's not enough. <laughs> like, uh, and that's a problem, right? And that's like people at Deep are telling me this. And so I wanted to raise it to the governor, but I didn't get an opportunity to. Still working on that. Um, haven't reached out to the mayor yet. Um, but there are a large part of how this has been able to move forward so quickly in such a shady way is because city council wants it to happen. It's because the representative um, of that section of Bridgeport, you know, the West and South End, they want it to happen. It's because the mayor wants it to happen. But does that mean it's good for constituents? Does that mean it's good for the planet? No. You might need an environmental lawyer 
and make an injunction of some sort. Like I, I, I just feel like you have to stop these people. <laughs> it's a problem. And it's like so preventable. I think that's what drives me craziest is that this is so preventable. And at the end of the day, it's like, why? Why are we doing this? Why would you ignore climate science when we know sea level is going to keep rising? So now you're making them at increased risk of coast, coastal flooding at that. The Long Island South, that's a powerful body of water. You know what I mean? That's a very powerful body of water. Long Island Sound, that's coastal flooding. We have just, you need to protect the trees. You need to protect Seaside Park. Seaside Park, not only is it just a living entity, you know, like it's life affirming. They're, the trees are a major species there, but so are all of the birds and the bees and the deer and the foxes that live there, that habit, that that is their habitat, you know? Um, you have to do things to protect the residents who live there, who already have been unprotected. They did not want those gas plants there. They certainly obviously didn't want the coal plant there. Took a long time to get rid of that. And then they tried to fight off the hydrogen plants that were put there. Actively fighting it off, still got put there against their will. You know what I mean? So it's just like, those are classic cases of environmental racism that are also, of course, harming all of the life that's there, right? So we're not stewarding the land and we're not protecting our people. We're not protecting our constituents. And it's not okay. And it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to live like this. We don't have to die like this. We don't have to keep making these decisions. And in fact, we absolutely do not have time to keep making these decisions because everything matters so much now. Mm. And a school, that's a hundred year, that's a hundred year infrastructure. You know what I mean? In this climate, that's just not going to, sorry, that's not going to last 100 years in this climate, you know what I mean? And on top of that, it's a $129 million investment that you and I are paying for as taxpayers in Connecticut. I don't want to invest my money there. I would never invest my money there. There are plenty of climate scientists that are like, hey, when it comes to coastal lines, it's time to retreat. You got to stop putting things there, you know? And maybe it's a lot harder to convince people who live somewhere their whole life, like, hey, maybe you should move. That is one, that's a different battle. That's a long, that's hard. But it's really a simple to not put brand new infrastructure there. Yeah. When that will make an issue worse, you know? And the Basic students deserve better. The teachers deserve better. The staff deserve better. It's just not a good idea, plain and simple. It's just not a good idea. It's an objectively bad idea. Um, and so I'm going to do what I can. I was a 2016 salutatorian. First is the worst, second is the best. And so for me, I'm <laughs> like, this also, you know, it's personal. So I mean, I, listen, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like you have, you've hit the ground running um, and that you are operating from a place of urgency. Yeah. Um, and it's, it doesn't sound like they've, they've made hardcore decisions yet, but I dare say they probably were trying to just move this through without anybody noticing, you know, um, that is, a I find Absolutely. that to be a, a challenging, a challenging relationship between a municipality and its citizens that yeah. they would not engage them in these kinds of matters. It's not okay. On top of that, there was supposed to be this project called Resilient Bridgeport that was designed after Hurricane Sandy. Um, as part of the Rebuild by Design national competition for the coastal states like New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Connecticut. 
Um, and it was supposed to protect that neighborhood specifically from coastal flooding because when the hurricanes hit, when the storms hit, it's really bad. Mind you, I want to say this really clearly. Hurricane Sandy, like Connecticut got lucky with respect to the damage with Hurricane Sandy. Like if 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 hurricane if the hurricane moved over to Connecticut about four hours earlier, it would have hit New Jersey, it would have hit Connecticut the way it hit New Jersey. The major difference was that we didn't get rainfall. So we were getting the coastal, you know, the hurricane in that way, but we weren't simultaneously getting rainfall. It would have been significantly more devastating if we had both forms of impact at the same time. And that is that is likely to happen in the future. You know what well, I mean? Well, we're seeing all these devastating um environmental challenges that yeah. people haven't seen in a hundred years. And mm -hmm. now they're starting to look like they're coming every other year. Like <laughs> this is only should happen 100 years. Yeah. And we're like, oh, but we're seeing it again this year. We're seeing mm -hmm. it again next year. And it's just gonna keep getting worse, right? And to finish the prior thought, resilient Bridgeport didn't happen. So some of the early rhetoric was like, oh, Bassic is gonna be protected by resilient Bridgeport, but resilient Bridgeport didn't happen, which is an issue in of itself. And so it's like, oh, at least put Resilient Bridgeport in first. And then they're like, mm, let's just put the school in and figure it out. And it's like, what is wrong with what's happening? <laughs> like, why would we do this? Um, so, you know, so yeah, Bab, so that's what's going on. That's at the forefront of my mind right now. Um, but on top of that, again, like with this comes the broader task of shifting our culture in general and the decision-making that's going on because we can't keep having situations like this. There are only so many me's that are gonna catch these just in time and try my best, you know what I mean? Um, but our policymakers have to shift their mindset. Our bureaucrats have to shift their mindset. Um, our construction folks at, at every level, state, local, et cetera, everyone has to be a lot more proactive and life-minded, you know? It's a matter mm -hmm. of choosing life, you know, in my opinion. <laughs> It's a matter of choosing life. Yeah. I don't know. I say that. I say that broadly. But, but I mean, I but that's being it. real. First of all, to put a school on a coastline that is already under siege is number one. To put mm -hmm. a school between two um, environmentally challenging, uh, a coal factory and a, whatever else is over there. Two gas plants. The coal factory and, got closed. And the and the gas plant. But I'm but I'm sure there's some residual whatever. Exactly. Yeah. They're still remediating the land. Yeah. Yeah. See. And, uh, I, I, you know, I hear about remediation all the time, but I'm not so sure I trust it 100%. Like, I just mm. feel like that's been going on for so long. Yeah, you could take the topsoil off, but mm. seriously, but how far down is too far down? Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. what is the, what is the implications of that? And, and, and do we wait until we start to see abnormal birth defects and, 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 health challenges of people that we, we wouldn't already, see we already see them that's part of how advocates were able to get the coal plant because the <clears throat> the infant birth death rates were so high in that area specifically the area that was inundated with the air pollution from the coal plant babies were dying people have such chronic asthma the rates of um asthma and asthma hospitalization throughout Connecticut are much higher for Black and Hispanic youth compared to white youth. And why is that? It's because 71% of Black and Hispanic youth live in, um, you know, our major cities, Bridgeport, Stanford, Hartford, New Haven, Waterbury. Um, 
And those are the areas where all these coal plants, all these gas plants tend to be located. None of that's a coincidence. We know the science, you know, connecting air pollution with asthma rates, with lung cancer, with heart disease. We know, um, we know the science makes it clear that increased exposure to air pollution equals bad health. Mm. Why would you put a high school there? You know, <laughs> you're doing that to the kids, but you're also doing that to the dedicated teachers that are going to work there for decades. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not good. And we're having a, a national teacher shortage. You want teachers to work at your school? Put it in a good, healthy spot. How about that? Yeah, that's a good idea. So what can people do? How can people support you? How can people get behind this? How can people help raise awareness? Yeah, so I would say start by following Seaside Sounds Club on Instagram. I have a lisp, so <laughs> Seaside Sounds, S-O-N-D-S Club um, on Instagram, because I keep pumping out information on there. But today at 6.30 p.m., there's a city council hearing. And even if you can't testify, please come stand in solidarity and get connected with other folks. Um, city council, our city hall in Bridgeport is at 45 Lion Terrace. Again, public comment starts at 6.30. Um, and then, you know, we'll likely be organizing for the next city council meeting, which will be on December 5th. Um, if you want to just hang out and learn more beforehand, um, you can meet at Bridgeport Creates today from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. I'll be there kind of just like vibing, telling people, chit-chatting, but preparing for the hearing as well. Um, and yeah, stay tuned. But I think the easiest way to stay active would be follow Seaside Sounds Club because then you'll get- I just did. I just did. Yay! Yeah. And so I can so, send it around. Yeah, that'd be great because then folks can, you know, get- all this information in writing and get it up to date consistently. Mm. So uh, as you are working on this, I, I, I think that I hear you say you, you might consider furthering your education. Is that a, is that still on the table? Yeah, I don't know when. I will become Dr. Cat eventually, but um, <laughs> Dr. Cat Morris, I really do. I'm a nerd. I really am. Um, I just love learning. I love being a student of life and um, I really, so my undergraduate background, you know, I have my master's in public policy, but before that I have a, um, my, my, my degrees are in cognitive science and anthropology. So I love studying people. I love studying culture, but I also love studying behavioral science and how brains work, um, how intelligent beings think, know, perceive, and act. And I specify intelligent beings because while anthropology is centered around humans, cognitive science is about humans, animals, and artificial intelligence. Like, it's just so interesting to me. Um, so I do have that life and people and um, animal-centered academic background and kind of spiritual background. And then I'm trying to morph that professionally in various ways. Um, so I will get my PhD eventually. Um, I haven't decided when. I'm in a transitional phase right now. Like I'm I think you need dry. a law degree, girl, in, in environmental law. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I, people have said that. I've heard that before. Or um, deal with uh, artificial, intelli artificial, yeah. artificial intelligent ethics. You need to be able to fight <laughs> that, that too. 
<laughs> you know, AI is inevitable. I feel like I'm just like, I'm gonna be oh. your company, like get get be on my side, like I'm on your side, like <laughs> we're, we're cool, you know. Um, yeah, there are just so many ways to show up in the world. I'm trying to figure it out because at the end of the day, I'm a creative and I love connecting. So it's just like how I do that. I speak on podcasts and panels all the time. I could start a podcast. Would you listen to my podcast if I started? I absolutely would. Oh, okay. That's a good I one. absolutely would. People keep telling me to start one, but I don't know. Um, I'm also about to hop on to moderate a panel on free bus fare because people want to continue it. And right now- I think they want going for another six five months, months. Yeah, five months. Like so. But it's like, let's make it permanent. Like, let's just do it. You know, it's really good for- The more we increase- public transit the better we're doing for the planet but also the economy you know people since everyone cares about the economy i'm not a capitalist but when people want to think about things in fiscal terms if more people have access to public transportation they can get to more jobs so that's just better and you can also get to more places to spend your money so it's just like i think the future in a brighter future in Connecticut entails a lot more public transportation and free fare, I think is just a great route to get there. Um, so anyway, I'm moderating a panel. I guess I have to be neutral, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah. I so appreciate your time this morning. You must come yeah. back. I want to know you. what happens after the fact. I want I want to know what happens after. I'll, I'll keep you posted. Hearings. Keep me posted. I will. Um, okay. Yeah. Policy Site Sounds Club. Save Basic High. Let's do it. I Have got you. <laughs> and, and and I'm going to try to pop by Bloom on Monday to see you do your yes, thing. Yes, yes, yes. Monday the 28th, 5 to 9 p.m. This is open to the community. Um, Bloom, you already know Bloom is just gorgeous. It's yes, just gorgeous. It you know we're going to have that bonfire pop in. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, my friend, she's a farmer and a chef. Um, she's vegan. She's Haitian. Um, she's gorgeous and it's going to be a great time so we're going to okay. have delicious food um, and right. I'm, I'm coming I'm coming Yay! all, all right. right well thank you Miss Morris this was lovely good luck tonight thank you and uh, keep me posted will do bye. all right bye-bye thank you all right Harry Jones it is time for us to leave I'm sorry Zibby Owens wasn't with us this morning but I'm in communication with the peoples and they'll get back to me with another date for her. Um, but tomorrow I have uh, Camila Forbes, who was part of that Schwarzman conversation. Uh, she is exec over at uh, Apollo Theater. So that'd be the conversation tomorrow, 10.15. So y'all be good out there in these streets and I'll see y'all tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah.